back, everybody, to Edge of the Rabbit Hole. I'm author and researcher Mike Ricksecker. With me, as always, is my co-host, is Victoria Monday. And down in the chat room, Alina moderating the chat. We have a great show coming up for you tonight. Our good friend, Rob Guttrow, psychic medium, author, paranormal investigator, and uh, he's a scientist, meteorologist, uh, all-around great guy. <laughs> he's back with us this evening. I know we're supposed to have Andrea Perrin on last minute uh switch here so we really uh, appreciate rob coming on andrea had uh just real last minute there got called to uh fly out to uh where is she i think she's going to joshua west coast. tree and yeah. yeah the west coast to uh go film this week so she'll be back on in september we've rescheduled that but uh you know rob our, our great great friend was was here to step right in we always have a great time with rob talking about so many subjects and we're going to be talking about a lot of different things this evening we're going to be talking about a uh, living in a haunted house uh serious subject uh when it comes to you know talking about uh suicides and then you know why aren't there dinosaur ghosts so a variety of topics here that are going to be are really really interesting and fun but I want to talk about this first because Rob mentioned it at the beginning uh, when we first connected. Rob, you got to tell us about the accolades for uh, Pets in the Afterlife 3. Well, thanks, Mike. Uh, thank you both for having me back. It's, it's great to be back. Um, so uh, Pets in the Afterlife 3 there on the end with my dogs, Dolly and Franklin, was published in January. And when it came out, I was really shocked and humbled that it went to number one on Amazon under Pet Grief. Um, but two weeks ago, I received a note from Book Authority, which is a big book ranking service, I guess, worldwide. And um, it was it was actually awarded one of the top 16 books on grief um, that uh, out of any category, human and, and animal. So I was really shocked and really uh, and happily surprised. That's wonderful. Yeah, that, oh. It's absolutely amazing. It's a great <laughs> series of books. You absolutely deserve the the accolades, and uh, whenever we have you on, of course, people do want to know about the the connections between pets and the afterlife, and uh, you know everybody everybody loves their pets, so it's a it's a uh, fantastic important topic. Of course, you're a uh, a pet rescuer yourself, so uh, really appreciate all the work you've done there as well. Thank you so much. Do, do you need a cat? <laughs> <laughs> I, I can hook you up. <laughs> I heard you have an abundance of cats. I don't have any. No. no. <laughs> oh, they just happen to live in her house. I mean, you know an abundance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're around here somewhere. Well, I'm a dog dad, Victoria. So, um, I, Me too. My, my dogs uh, are, are the size of cats, actually. So they probably wouldn't get along. <laughs> well, the newest one is, is almost three pounds. He's, he's about this big. So he's, he's a tiny baby. Anyway. Yeah, he's he's a little one. A chicken nugget. And what's <laughs> that's his name? That's, right. that's what nugget? I call him. Well, he's the size of a chicken oh. nugget. Um, his name is Odin, oh. the little cat with a big screen. So, oh. Odin. Okay, yeah. the Norse. Nice. The Norse god. All right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so let's go ahead one. and. <laughs> yeah. Let's go ahead and get into it. Uh, one of the things you want to talk to us about this evening was uh, living in a haunted house. And that's, that's a topic that draws a lot of people to the paranormal as they have some experience. Maybe they uh, grew up or lived in a haunted house for a period of time and you know they, 
they end up having all these different experiences. So what was this like for you? Well, Mike, this is this goes back to 1997. And um, my my ability, I became aware of my abilities um, way back when I was 14 years old, back in the 70s. Um, and it wasn't until 2005 that my abilities really developed when my puppy Buzz passed. So in 1996, yeah, 1996, I went back to school to get another degree, and my degree was in meteorology. Um, I moved to Kentucky, not knowing anything about Kentucky other than the school had the correct program for me. Um, and I had not really dealt with earthbound ghosts. I only dealt with spirits before, like um, the spirit of my grandfather. Um, so, and I wasn't, I, I wasn't even thinking about it. So I wound up renting a room from uh, in, in a house, in a two bedroom house. And the other guy that was in the house was um, the son of the people that bought the house. They bought the house specifically for their son to attend the university. Um, so, you know, when you move into an old house, you know, you, you, a lot of things creak and move and so forth. And, and again, I didn't think anything of it. Um, and, and this really, this, I'm telling this story because it, it's really, uh, applicable to anybody that moves into an older house. So, so things that you can, you can watch for, um, anyway, uh, in the summer, just before the semester, like a couple of weeks before the semester, um, I moved in. I think it was a month before. And he didn't move in for a couple of weeks. So I always kept a journal, a diary, if you will. And the first Tuesday night that I was there, I wasn't, you know, I, I, I didn't know the neighborhood. All I knew was that I could hear the train run, roll by and, um, Otherwise, it was kind of quiet. <clears throat> but the first Tuesday night at 2.30 in the morning, there was a pounding at the back door, which was part of the kitchen. The, 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 the door that went to the backyard was in the, was in the kitchen. And my bedroom's on the other side of this small house. So, you know, of course, you're in a college town. First thing you think of is drunk college kid, <laughs> 2.30 in the morning. What's going on? Um, so I was kind of irritated. I remember that. <clears throat> Didn't think anything paranormal. Hadn't even crossed my mind. So the pounding continued. <clears throat> I, I jumped out of bed and <clears throat> the pounding continued. I went into, walked over to the kitchen, turned on the light and the pounding stopped. And I thought, <clears throat> okay, I guess they saw me. Well, I got up enough courage to go to the the door, it, it had a window pane, like four windows for those uh, rectangular windows. And I looked outside. <clears throat> What's interesting is the light, there was a, there's a, it turns out there was a motion activated light. That light didn't light. And I thought, that's odd. If somebody's pounding on the door, you know, that light's going to light. But there was nobody out there. Um, I, I checked the side window, nobody out there. And I thought, okay, they must have run off. Well, that's all well and good. Um, the next Tuesday night at 2.30 in the morning, same thing happened. Hmm. That's when I started to get suspicious. 
You know, okay. uh, so for anybody that lives in what they think may be a haunted house, always keep a journal. Always write down day and time um, and location of the sound that you hear or whatever it is. Maybe if you There's actually ice. see something or if something moves or, uh, yeah, or if you hear something. Um, because sometimes ghosts will repeat things at different at the same time so that they'll send a, a symbol, a signal rather. Um, and the reason they do that is because something usually happened at that particular time when they were dying or when they died. Um, that's that's what I found out. So before we go on, I wanted to ask both of you if you have experienced that in any way, that a repetitious um, haunting yes. kind of experience. Yes, definitely here. Because um, this is a... You want to share? <laughs> yeah. Um, I live in a townhome built in the 70s, the 1970s. Um, so that's what, math, 50 okay. years now? <laughs> and every day about 3.30, um, I'm down like over here by the sofa down here. Directly above is my bathroom and my bedroom. And every day about 3.30 for a month or two, you could hear like really heavy footsteps. I'm like, well, okay, there's nobody upstairs because I'm alone because I was working nights. Um, and to walk that path, you'd have to walk through my bathtub. I don't know. But what's funny, today I was so excited because, you know, yay, Rob's going to be on. I get to talk to Rob. And I'm coming in, and we had a storm coming. And I'm coming in through the garage, and I have my tote bag and everything. And I see a shadow run by. I'm like, oh, no, one of the cats, the cats are out. And my daughter's like, no, they're, they're all right here. I'm like, oh, he's, the shadow cat's back. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> uh oh. <clears throat> Well, what about you, Mike? <clears throat> I mean, you've done so many paranormal investigations. Have you been to a place the, the, a couple of days in a row where you've seen something repeat at the same time? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've been to locations that have you know, reported uh, what we would call a residual type of a haunt. And so I've, I've witnessed those those things that are supposed to repeat at the at those locations. Um, you know, we, we have some different things going on here, but they are intelligent haunts. Um, the same with a couple of other places that, that I've lived in before. So, but they weren't, you know, they were intelligent again, not, uh, not repetitious, but a number of the locations that I've investigated, um, you know, they would talk about, you know, whether it was, you know, some sort of, whether it was an apparition or shadow that was seen in this, you know, one particular location on a consistent basis. And then lo and behold, we see it, or maybe, um, you know, the, the footsteps, uh, perhaps at that particular location. And then, oh, sure enough, there go the footsteps. So um, I have seen from time to time on, uh, on paranormal investigations. So what's the secret? Okay. And... <laughs> So, well, so one of the things that I had to really think about, uh, and I didn't think about it until afterward, is that, uh, you know, I didn't know the difference between a residual haunting and an intelligent haunting. So um, for the folks listening, residual means that it's just like a, a replay of an event over time that happens over and over and over, same date, same time. <clears throat> so it very well could have been residual, but something happened that made me realize it wasn't so um fast forward a couple of weeks the same thing kept happening <laughs> for about four weeks on tuesday nights at 2 30 
not a good way to get good sleep. And um, he, and I didn't know what to do. I mean, now you now I know that you know you, you tell the ghost, please be quiet, um, <laughs> let me sleep. You know, I, I live here now. You're dead. <laughs> um, you're sleeping. You know, in eternity. You're setting so, the ground rules. Yeah. So does that yeah. work? They listen. Yeah. <laughs> I well, sometimes it does. It you know it depends on the personality of the ghost. I think. What do you think, Mike? Yeah, I, I agree, and I've um, I've talked to many people that have done that, and that's been a, a recommendation that I've uh, given others too. It's like, hey, you know, if you're okay with you know these spirits or these ghosts living here, you know, try to set some ground rules. And I've and I've heard those stories before. Um, a, a great one was you know before I really you know got you know, hardcore into investigating, it was a guy that I knew um, you know, 25 years ago when I was still in the air force and, uh, in his particular home, he, he had a, uh, a couple, um, that had, that had lived in the house. They had both passed away, but they were now still living in the house as ghosts. And, um, uh, he was fine with it. He just, you know, he set some ground rules. The one would get uh, mischievous sometimes. He'd have to kind of put his foot down. Okay, you can't do that. You can't be moving that around or whatever. Um, and then it would kind of calm down. They'd go back to doing their sort of regular thing. So, uh, yeah, I, I definitely uh, think, you know, cohabitating with ghosts and spirits, uh, you know, certainly you can do that and just, you know, set your rules, set your boundaries. Works. <laughs> it's not well, like I wish Beatles I knew that back in yeah. 1990. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So did he go away um, or what? So, what well, so after, after four weeks of living in that house, um, the the other kid, the other kid moved in, um, and he moved into the other room. Well, of course, you know, the very first Tuesday night, there was a pounding on the back door at two thirty in the morning. Woke us both up. We bumped into each other in the hallway, and so. <laughs> I, uh, he said to me, do you hear that? And I'm like, yeah, of course I hear it. I woke up, <laughs> you, you know, I'm, I was in my, I was in my mid thirties and he was like 21. So I'm thinking, okay, I have to be the adult here. So he says, <laughs> he said to me, are you going to go, going to go look? I'm like, well, yeah, <laughs> I said, I've already been through this. So I went, I went up to the kitchen, turned on the light. Of course the, the pounding stopped and and he looked at me and he said, oh, good, I'm, I'm glad it stopped. And I said, I need to talk to you about this because the only thing that you said when you when I interviewed with you about taking this room is that you had a roommate with a dog who left abruptly and never came back. And I said, I'm putting two and two together here. Tell me that this has happened before because I believe it has. Well, he sat down and he told me that, yeah, it's been happening for ever since they owned the house. <laughs> wow. So, yeah. So I said, okay, well, how do we make this stop? And he said, I have no idea. It's been going on for a long time, likely for a year, year and a half. Um, so I thought, okay. Uh, well, I guess I have to take, you know, matters into my own hands. Um, but I, I, while I was trying to think about that, I, you know, I had no idea. Again, this was 97. 
the internet was kind of new <laughs> or just coming up. There was no way to research this stuff. You're in, you're in Bowling Green, Kentucky. They don't have books on ghosts, even though it's a really, really haunted town, mind you, as I learned. Um, so I had no one to turn to. I didn't even know paranormal groups existed. Um, Mike, you, you know, you didn't have a, a show then, so I couldn't tune into that. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, to get, to get I, I, told, I can totally relate. Yeah. Yeah, that that time in the mid '90s, you know, like you said, the internet was yeah. just starting to come out. You you might be able to find like uh, an old forum, like Yahoo groups, oh. was just starting to come out. So it was like really obscure. You had to find, the, you know, really dig mm -hmm. and find those groups. And uh, like you said, it's being in a small town, you know, um, kind of the the same thing with me. Like you know, early '90s, late '80s, when I was you know first having some of my you know experiences. Um, I was in a smaller town, couldn't find those books. So, you know, so what did you do then, Rob, not having access uh, back then like we do now? Well, I tried to ignore it, to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> and because, you know, I, I was there, I, I was an intensive, it, it was an intensive year and a year and a half of study for me because I, I had to actually get, I was trying to get another bachelor's degree in meteorology within a year and a half. So, um, that was, I've already had one, I had a bachelor's degree and, and another associate. So um, I really had to concentrate. So what I did was I, I started focusing on, on work and on schoolwork. So one night I remember being in the living room and I mean the dining room and I was in the kit, I was in the table at the table and I was studying and um, I heard something in the kitchen. So I walked into the kitchen and um, I, there wasn't anything there. I decided I was going to make myself some soup, so I put some soup on the on the stove, and I walked back into the into the dining room, which was right next to the kitchen, and I was studying for a couple of minutes, and then after like four or five minutes, I, I decided my soup was ready, it was finished simmering, I got up and I walked into the kitchen, and every single kitchen cabinet was wide open. Oh no! <laughs> oh wow! I was. Yeah, I was uh, pretty startled. <laughs> I bet, yeah. I, I have every, other words every cabinet door open, yeah. And they weren't open yeah. before when the pounding was going on all those other nights? No, because I had, no. No, they, the, the kitchen cabinets were not open. So right then, um, I, I was a little... I was trying to figure this out. So I, I got my soup. I closed all the kitchen cabinets. I went back into the into the the uh, dining room and I sat I finished my soup and I went went back to studying. Twenty minutes later, I walked back in the kitchen. All the cabinets were open. That's when I got chills. And that's when I realized, Victoria, that the ghost was not outside. The ghost oh, no. was inside. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> And I, I was just beside myself. I, and I still have I still have chills telling this story. You know, I mean, I've talked to dead people a lot since 1997, but telling this story and reliving and re-experiencing this as, as a novice, as someone who doesn't didn't deal with the paranormal, when I realized that ghost was inside, I just thought, holy crap. <laughs> yeah, because this is before is you had, had developed your abilities as a psychic medium. So you're still you know, very, very new to all this, right? 
Yeah, I mean, the, the only experience I had before was seeing my grandfather when I was 14 years old. So that was 23 years before this. That, you know, I, I didn't have any experiences between, between that and this. Um, so I was pretty scared. Um, and, of course, you know, my roommate comes home and he says, hey, how you doing? Are you studying hard? And I sat, I sat him down and I said, here, listen, I got to tell you what happened. I said, the ghost is not outside. He's inside. That freaked him out. He's like, oh, my God, what do we do? Where do we go? Do we move? Do we... <laughs> I said, we can't move. Your parents bought this house for you. You're not. So um, I said, okay. So the, the only thing I could think of was uh, I had I had this old crucifix that I got when I had first communion as a, you know, now I'm an ex-Catholic, but when I was a Catholic, I had this and I still had it with me. Um, so I nailed it next to the back door and I stood in the kitchen with my roommate. And I shouted loudly so that the ghost could hear me, whatever room he was in. And I told him, I know it's a, I know it's a male, by the way. I, for some reason, I just knew it was a male. Um, and I told him, uh, we live here now. You can't, you can't continue to do this. You are dead. And um, you really need to find, uh, you need, need to cross over. Um, and that was my first, and it just came out of nowhere, you know, what I was saying. And, and little did I know that I would learn that that's exactly what I should have said. But, um, so I guess he heard me or he acknowledged it because for the rest of the year that I lived there, he didn't do it ever again. Interesting. But, so... I've uh, I have two questions. Question, question here. Hang on real quick. Uh, question here from Sarah Yusuf. Do you think you would ever go back to resolve the issue? So if if it didn't happen again, was that it? Or would there still be something to go back to? Well, you know, I, that's a good question. I don't know. I haven't been back to Bowling Green. And uh, all I know is that when I when I graduated from college um, and I found a job um, in, in weather, uh, the weather industry, I, I took that crucifix off that wall with me. <laughs> so, okay. um, and I was like, okay, <laughs> you're on your own, Ryan. Ryan was my <laughs> roommate. Uh, oh, no. I said, you know, I did, I did my best. I managed to keep him at bay for, you know, for the year. Um, hopefully he's crossed over. I don't know, but I've never been back. Um, gotcha. and, and quite frankly, I don't really want to go back. No. Okay. Victoria, you had a couple questions. Yes. Okay. It was always on Tuesday night, right? Mm -hmm. When this happened. Did you run around the house screaming, have you checked the children? Just curious. Okay. Anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> He's in the house. Okay. Um, did you ever try leaving the lights on on Tuesday night to see if it would stop? Because you said when you turn the lights on, it would stop. Yeah. You know, I didn't think of that. Oh, well, okay. okay. That's a good suggestion, though, for anybody who is experiencing a haunting that uh, the yeah. lights. So what was it? One thing that was interesting there is that we had um, Ryan told me that there was a motion detector light that was set up in the backyard because this very thing had been bothering him for a year. And he kept thinking it was, uh, you know, it was kids. 
those college kids who were drunk and pounding on the door and running away and so forth. So they, so his dad uh, came up and installed the motion detector light, but the motion detector light never went off every Tuesday night. It never went off. So um, I don't know if a light in the kitchen would have actually <laughs> stopped. I, I think that he was, uh, as I look back, I think that, he was looking for attention. He wanted to be acknowledged. And uh, once I turned that light on, he got the acknowledgement that I knew that someone was there. Um, but because I didn't have abilities, my abilities as a medium had not yet really developed. I, I didn't know what he wanted. I didn't know what to do for him. Um, and I think that a lot of people that move into haunted places experience the same feelings that I did. I mean, it's really, it's helplessness. Um, but of course, you know, now we have great programs like yours and we, we have so many resources and, um, you know, you, you can go to any, any for somebody in, in a similar, in a similar situation, moving into a house, uh, what would you recommend uh, for somebody if they moved into a situation like that? Um, first of all, I would recommend keeping a journal and documenting everything. Um, because once you find out that things repeat uh, at, at certain dates, certain times, um, that then you can start making sense of things. Um, and, and, and you know you can rule out the house is settling or the pipes are settling or, or something like that. You can rule out anything architectural in a house. Um, so that's, that's the first thing. And the, the second thing is is... If you start feeling temperature differences, um, make a note of that and make a note of where you experience them. Um, as, as we talked about before, the way I, I explain cold spots associated with ghosts is that they draw the movement, they draw the, um, excuse me, the energy of motion of molecules of air. So when you slow molecules of air down, they become colder that becomes a, like a, a column of colder air than the surrounding air. So that's why there's cold spots when, uh, when there were ghosts around because they're trying to manifest and they use that, that energy. So, so make a note of that. Um, don't automatically assume everything's paranormal. Um, if, right. it, you know, there are plenty of paranormal groups. <clears throat> I, I recommend that if you think something is odd, have a paranormal group come in, <clears throat> mostly they don't charge. Um, I, I don't know of a paranormal group that does charge. Um, and it's, it may bring some peace to you and the ghost. Oh, very yeah, good. I, yeah, I've just learned to live with it. Um, and I work during the day now, so I don't hear it. <laughs> <laughs> so you're just not around anymore when it happens. No, but there, there are other things that go on. Um, there's probably five or six different spirits that are here. Um, yeah, you live with them. <laughs> as long as I don't but leave the light on. <laughs> so, but the, the cats can hear and, and see them. So Yes, they come to my do door you, all the time. Do mm -hmm. you find that they that the cats have are a little more agitated or scared or skittish because of the entities that are in your house? We have one cat, he's the um, older tuxedo, and he will actually come to my door 
Um, he's the one that quacks and screams, mom, mom. And he will walk around and like patrol my room, go in the bedroom, go in the bathroom. And he's like looking around and he's like, okay, catch you later. And he'll leave. So he comes in and checks it out. I don't know if he's actually looking for something or if he's just, you know, a little strange cat. I don't know. <laughs> but, but that one in particular, the other ones are just like, they don't, they don't really care. <laughs> okay. Well, I always worry about animals that in, in haunted um, places. Um, we, we actually had, when we, when Tom bought the house that we're living in, we've been here 16 years. Um, there was a ghost in this house and she was attached to something, which is odd, but, um, and, it, but that's a story for another time. Um, but needless to say, I helped cross her over because by 2007 or 2009, I kind of knew what I was doing. <laughs> so, it made a huge difference. Yeah. It was like, listen, Missy, you are not staying here. <laughs> See, I tried so Mike, that once. I'm sorry. Mike, did you ever live in a haunted house? Well, there, there's some stuff going on at this house. Um, uh, I'm not really sure oh. how many. Nicole probably has a better idea. There's at least a farmer that likes to to hang out um, around our bedroom in the backyard and in the the shed area. In fact. Um, he's, he's played around with my lawn tractor a, a few times, so, <laughs> um, but, but all good, all good, nothing malicious. Um, so th this house has some things going on, but it's more attached to the land because there used to be a farm here. Um, but, uh, the, the other houses that I've lived in, it's like, I had a couple of experiences, kind of the, the house that I lived in when I was, um, a teenager, it, it, there was something that was going on there the first few months that we lived there and then it kind of subsided but um you know not like some you know really full-blown outlandish type of hauntings or anything like that uh we do have a question here though from our chat moderator alina she says or asks is it possible to see your fur baby in a dream that's not really a dream when they pass so i guess you know people talk about dream visitations from loved ones does that same thing happen with with pets sure um yeah pets can pets can give us visits um as well as dreams uh, so the difference between a visitation and a and a dream that i've experienced is that in visitations you can actually like feel their fur or you can <clears throat> you can smell their scent or there's some kind of tactile uh, experience going on there you can feel them when you're <clears throat> when you're seeing them in your, your dream if you will um you can feel them rub against you or something like that. So absolutely. Yeah. Pets can do the same thing that, that humans can do. Great. And then we have uh, another question here. It says, Hey Rob, this is uh, Carrie. Will animals that have passed on show the same sort of patterns showing up at the same time? I know I've seen Murphy, but didn't write down times that it happened. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and the answer to that is yes, because <clears throat> once um, once pets pass, they continue to do their same routine on the other side. Um, so when they visit, they will continue to do the same things they did at the same time or the same place um, that they did in the physical. So yes, and that's a good way to actually figure out which pet it is. If you have multiple cats, 
for instance, in your house, or if you have multiple dogs in your house, um, you you get to know where they go at what time, or, or um, and that way it helps identify who's who. So yeah, great question, Gary. Thanks. Good. Good. And then uh, Pungai Fungai. Whoops, clicked on the wrong one. Uh, Pungai Fungai <laughs> asks: Speaking of cold spots, what is the nature of a stationary cold spot that is there all the time? Ooh. Sounds like a ventilation pro uh, problem. <laughs> it's, I'm serious. <laughs> I'm married to an architect. <laughs> so, um, it, yeah, it's, it would uh, be it something like, you would try to debunk first. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, so that's one of the things that that we, you know, of course we do anyway uh, on Inspired Ghost Track is we try to debunk things, and it's really helpful for us to have my husband. Tom on the, the team because he's an architect and he can go in there and he can figure out, you know, what what's being caused by different parts of the house settling or or ventilation issues. Like, why does a door keep slamming um, and all these kinds of things? Why do the windows fog up? Uh, you know, with the, it's so easy to get paranoid that everything is paranormal, but it's not. <laughs> and most of the time we, we find physical explanations for things. Well, he does. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, great to have that expertise uh, on the team because, yeah, sure enough, you know, you'll have you know, pipes rattling around or there might be an electrical problem or, you know, like you're saying with that particular uh, that particular situation, possibly a ventilation problem. So, uh, yeah, there are real-world answers for a lot of these things that, that happen for sure. Yeah. So, um Sarah Youssef asks, have you seen pets present themselves as something other than being comforting? What type of messages are possible? I guess everybody knows I'm a pet medium, huh? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, you're kind of known for that, Rob. Right, yeah. Um, no, pets don't usually present them as, as something other than what they were here on Earth. Um, because they want us to know that they are okay on the other side. And um, the only way they can do that is by doing the things that they did when they were alive or coming into our dreams. Dreams are the easiest way for pets to communicate that they're still, um, they're still with us. Um, you know, we've talked about many of the ways that pets communicate, like leading, leading us to another pet that looks like them. Um, so that's another easy way. But um, no, all they want to do is uh, appear the way that they were in life, if they can, it takes a lot, a lot of energy though. So, so they usually opt for the dream route because it requires a lot less energy and your mind is asleep. So you're not fighting it. Gotcha. Gotcha. One last yeah. question here from the uh, chat room and then we're going to switch gears. Uh, this okay. is from Android purity. I heard an old podcast with Rob at the Belmont in Maryland does paranormal tours. Have those started back after the pandemic? No, as a matter of fact, uh, our agreement with the Belmont is over, so we will no longer be uh, be touring there. Um, the uh, the seven ghosts that <laughs> that we found there are still very much there. How many? Um, Did you say seventy? Seven. Oh, sure. Okay. Seven. <laughs> yeah. It's a pretty active location. Yeah. I was say seventy. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's pretty active. Yeah. Um, That's cool. Yeah, but uh, I, I actually, if you want to know all about those ghosts, um, I actually wrote 
a story about that in case files of inspired ghost tracking. I didn't name the place because I can't. So this is a secret <laughs> but it's between, between us. Um, it's uh, inspired. <laughs> it's case files of inspired ghost track. <laughs> there it is. Um, so you can read about that. It's called Maryland Mansion. So um, yeah. So no, no more tours. But um, you can still read about who they are and why they're there. And it's all they all have their own history. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's definitely. I'm glad I didn't live there. So. Okay. <laughs> So, all right. So let's let's switch it up a little bit here because you wanted to talk about uh, a more serious topic, uh, yeah. which which has to deal with uh, with suicide. So, Rob, uh, this was a suggestion you had for for uh, discussing this evening. So, go ahead, take it away. All right. Um, so the reason I, I I wanted to talk about this is because I, I receive. A number of emails every year from people who um, have uh, know somebody who has died by suicide. And by the way, the reference now we don't say committed suicide; we say die by suicide. That's the proper way to address it. Um, I, okay. I learned that this year. Um, so the pandemic actually has created a, an uptick in the number of people who have died by suicide. Um, even before the pandemic, though, Mike, I, I did some research and, and I found out that suicide is a national public health issue here in the U.S. The U.S. actually has, <clears throat> excuse me, one of the highest suicide rates um, among the wealthy nations uh, um, of the world. And that was really surprising. Um, so I learned some really interesting and alarming facts um, about suicide. Um, but first, I want to address the pandemic. In, so in August 2020, during the COVID pandemic, um, a survey that the CDC, the Center for Disease Control, conducted found that 25, uh, over 25% of people aged between 18 and 24 have seriously contemplated suicide within the last 30 days of their survey. And um, for the age group of 25 to 44, it was 16%. So that is a huge number, 25%. Yeah, that's really concerning. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, that's one in four people when you think about it. That's too so, much. Yeah, that's extremely concerning. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, I can understand with the conditions being, you know, you're locked in, you may, you may have lost your job uh, and so forth. Um, so the reason I also bring this up, too, is that we're still in the pandemic. We're very much in the pandemic still. Yeah. And and now it's making a resurgence with this, you know, this new variant. Um, and uh, for the people who are unvaccinated, um, uh, they are they're the they're the ones at risk, really. Um, and usually when people get sick like that, then they have these suicidal thoughts. Um, but with COVID, I mean, when you get sick with COVID, you you are so weak, you, uh, for the most part, you don't have the ability to do anything. Um, and you're lucky if you survive, really. But so anyway, um, I bring this up because if you think about it, one in four people that you may know may have had these thoughts. So take this as a um, kind of a note to reach out to people 
even people, you know, people that are normally like maybe down and just check in with them every week or so. Um, just a reminder, um, because it is it is really frightening. So some of the other some of the other things that there were there were a couple of other statistics that I um, I could talk about for you too. Want me to continue? Well, I, I think the uh, you know the question that comes up a lot, uh, and I, I know Nicole deals with this um, with, with her uh, all the different things that she does with uh, with guiding echoes and uh, the readings that she does and the classes that she holds. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the the question that comes up a lot is, you know, what happens to my loved one who died by suicide? What happens to them in the afterlife? Yeah. So ultimately, that was that's ultimately my point of bringing up the suicides and the and the murders because that's a question that most people want to know. And um, what what I've come to find out by talking to people who have died by suicide is that that most of them do cross over. Um, they're first of all, I, we've talked about this before my you know my idea of what happens in the afterlife based on the people that i've spoken to from the other side that there is no hell um hell is being trapped as an earthbound ghost for the rest of your eternity that's what that's what hell is um and sometimes um people who die by suicide opt to stay as an earthbound ghost because they feel like they're not worthy to cross into into the light but that's not really a uh a high number that I've experienced. So I've experienced that people will cross over into the light and they, they have, there are like three or there are between three and seven different levels on the other side. Um, I don't know for sure because I've not been on the other side, <laughs> but uh, from what they tell me, there are three to seven levels. And you can actually read about that too in Japanese culture. Um, they, they talk about, I think they talk about seven levels. Uh, of the afterlife. Have you heard that before, Mike? Um, you know, a lot of different, mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure about the Japanese specifically, but yeah, a lot of different cultures have their own beliefs. So, uh, I mean, you could even go, yeah, it just, it depends on the culture, but you hear about different levels of the afterlife. Um, even, even Dante's Inferno, even though it was like, what, nine levels of hell, it wasn't, if, if you read between the lines, it's not really hell. It's, it's more of a, con, a conceptualized version of the afterlife. I thought that was working at a fast food restaurant. The yeah, nine. kind of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I, and I spent a couple of years at Taco Bell in high school, so that was definitely, yeah. <laughs> we called it Taco Hell, so. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to rewrite it for the retail life. Yeah, the nine nine levels of retail hell. <laughs> See, we're all on the same page. There you go. <laughs> um, um, all right, we're getting getting back to this. Um, so, right. so if you know somebody who has died by suicide, it's most likely that they have crossed over. So please take comfort in that. Um, and usually, when they die by suicide, just like dying by any other means. Your relatives in spirit are there to help you cross over. Either humans or pets, they're there to help you cross over. Um, Often what I have found is that um, people, we we all get kind of a life review right when we pass. So 
uh, we know if we did something bad or, and we, we realized that um, uh, dying by suicide was not the right thing to do. Um, and we, we, the people I've talked to on the other side have felt guilty about it. Um, they felt badly and they realize that it's also hurtful to their own families that are left behind. So they kind of stay in a lower place on the other side for a while until, until they're, they acknowledge, you know, what, what has happened. And then they, they move further up. Um, that's just my experience. Um, Victoria, have you been, have you been um, talking to anybody who has died by suicide on the other side? Have you ever? No, connected? but I know, uh, I know someone who attempted probably the last few weeks. Um, he's okay now. Um, but yeah, to, I can't even imagine what it, it would be like to be driven to that. Um, just the, the depths of despair or, or maybe something else was going on. I don't know. But no, I've never connected with anyone um, that I know of. No, no, I haven't. Okay. Um, so, so before I before I did the afterlife thing, when I was in college, actually around uh, when I lived in that haunted house, I I actually befriended this this guy, and we're still very good friends today. And and he actually made a couple of attempts, and you know I didn't know what to do other than continually try and call and and offer my support and it, that's actually one of the things that you can do is to to check in with with people um so one of the things that <clears throat> one of the ways that i know about some of this is that i've had a couple of encounters um with people who have passed by suicide and one of them involved a, a colleague that I met through work, my, my regular day job. And she had written me one day and she said that she was, uh, she was very down because her best friend had, had died by suicide. And um, before I knew it, her best friend was connecting with me and giving me all of the, this information that he was okay. Um, so that's how I know that um, that people who die by suicide will cross over into the light. And that's exactly what he did, because otherwise he wouldn't be able to communicate with me. If he was an earthbound ghost, he would be stuck in a place of his choosing and they can't communicate with us. Um, but spirits on the other side, they can communicate with anybody, anywhere, anytime on Earth. And this guy did just that. So he showed me signs of a beach. Um, um, that was a very special and recent memory. Um, he also showed me uh, uh, a classroom setting and, and then on a, and a pocket watch. Um, and these three things are very were very very special between him and this woman Jill. Um, so I, you know, this was back. This was back in 2010, and again, I was still developing my abilities. It was very uh, young in them. Um, and she wrote me back and she offered confirmation. She said, you know, the last vacation he went on was, uh, was to Ireland and he walked the beach with his friends and he, he sent me a picture and that picture was on my desk. And she said, that's the way I remember him. Um, and the other thing was in, in my second or third email to her, I mentioned a watch 
that he said that that there's something very special about a watch that he gave her. And she wrote me back and she said, a month before he died, he gave her a pocket watch that was in his family oh. and very special. And, um, and she was just uh, beside herself about it. So she was also very relieved to know that he was communicating from the other side. He wasn't trapped here as an earthbound ghost. Um, so I, I bring that up so that it, it will comfort people who have lost those by, by suicide. And even murder victims are the same as well. I mean, you know, um, the, the suicide thing has more negative religious connotations, but uh, I urge everybody to just discard those religious connotations because they're not correct. Um, you know, this is about energy. This is about spirit. This is about being called to the other side. Um, this is about healing. It's not about being judged. So um, just know that everybody goes to a good place. And eventually those that 5% that stay behind, maybe as an earthbound ghost, eventually they will find their way over. They will cross over. Um, one thing that kind of really bothered me when I looked at the uh, statistics was that um, on average, there's about 132 suicides in the U.S. a day. Oh, That's wow. a lot. Wow. Um, the other thing, too, is that firearms are used in almost 50% of all suicides. So that, that was kind of disconcerting. And um, white males accounted for seven out of 10 suicides in 2016. That was five years ago. Seven out of 10. Wow. Um, yeah. And, and most of the, uh, the suicide rate is highest in middle age. Um, in college students, suicide was the second highest cause of death. Yeah. You know, we're under a lot of stress in, in college. Um, but you know, there, there are better, there are better alternatives. If you can't handle your classes, drop out of them, go back to them when you can handle them not worth taking your life for. Um, one thing that particularly struck me, and I totally understand this, is that um, LGBTQ youth and adults in the U.S. are three times higher than the national average of dying by suicide. Wow. Because of bullying. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's really sad. That's there really were sad. When my daughter was in high school, there were, I think, three the first week of school. And um, it was just horrible. This one yeah. little kid chained himself to a, a, a chair and threw himself in the pool. So when his family came home. Oh, my home, gosh. I know. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> How can you even do that? I mean, but, you know, just like no, you said, the bullying. Well, yeah. So, yeah. Bully. Um, so, so, again, I, I, I cite these statistics because death by suicide affects so many people in so many different walks of life. Um, three others, and one of them that we, we do hear about all the time is military veterans. Um, right. Yep. There's an alarming, um, and Mike, being a, a veteran, you know. Yeah, you, know, you, you, you see that, uh, unfortunately, with, with veterans. Um, and even like when I was in 
just, you know, when I was in school, I, you know, a couple of my teachers were, were Vietnam veterans and somebody could be tapping their pencil on the desk and oh. you know, they, they would have a moment. Um, so it, it's, yeah, it's extremely serious. Uh, we have a good question here from uh, Sarah Youssef. Uh, she says, people who die by suicide often leave ripples of sympathetic energy. Do you have any advice for raising the vibration for the living and the dead? Advice for raising the vibration for the living and the dead. Um, well, it, it's really about positive energy. Um, you know, some people use prayer as positive energy. People who are not religious will also just concentrate and meditate and, and send positive energy. Um, you can grab a picture of the person <clears throat> and focus on it and channel all good things. Um, it, again, everything I write about is based in energy. So uh, love, faith, and hope are positive emotional energies that can help anybody maybe stuck in a lower level on the, on the other side. What about using harmonics? Um, because we've gone around and cleansed, house, cleansed houses and you'll strike a bell and it'll make a mm -hmm. clunking sound. But when you keep striking it till it's a very clear, very distinct sound, it it just resonates differently. Would that help perhaps raise the That's vibration? a great, yeah, that's a great idea. Mm -hmm. um, you you know, even any kind of music, <laughs> except, well, except maybe heavy metal, but... <laughs> um, but yeah, light, you know, light instrumental music can, can also do that. Uh, just inviting so, any kind of light and can also do that. Um, don't be playing my Johnny Cash. Used to, <laughs> and I like, and I like Whatever that. elevates your mood, oh, really. Well, I um, like Johnny Cash, so, I mean, you know. Well, I like it. Yeah. Um, That's all good. So <laughs> two other groups. Two other groups I wanted to quickly mention were veterinarians and those that suffer from chronic pain. Those are the other, uh, those are the other categories yeah. of people that really are affected highly by that. So if you know, if you know anybody who's a veteran, who's a veterinarian, who suffers from chronic pain, who is LGBTQ, who is in a college student, um, who has lost their job, reach out, out to them after you watch this broadcast tonight and, uh, and just let them know you're there. And if they have anything they want to talk about, if they're feeling down, just talk. Um, also, make sure that you know that there is a national suicide prevention hotline. It's 1-800-273-TALK. So there's that. Um, so that I'm, I'm going to wrap up that so that we can yeah, get to your yeah, dinosaur. Uh, and, and thank you very much for that, Rob. That was uh, that was very important. We have about five mm -hmm. minutes left in the show. I know you wanted to touch on something a little bit more uh, lighthearted. And that was <laughs> the question, why don't we see dinosaur ghosts <laughs> well it's very much the same reason why most most of our pets cross over um it, i would say and i would say about 97 98 of our pets cross over very very few of them stay behind and the reason is energy they can sense energy so as you know if you have a pet they know when you're happy, when you're sad, when you're angry, when you know, you're sick, whatever. And they always come to you when you're happy, right? They run the other way when you're not happy. The mm. light on the other side, when someone <laughs> dies, 
will open up. And what's radiating from the other side is positive emotional energy, peace, tranquility, um, love, and that acts as a magnet. So I will tell you that I think the reason, there two, the main reason is that all animals can sense that kind of peace. So that's where they go when they pass. For any of them that stayed behind, if they were stubborn, because, you know, dinosaurs and animals have their own personalities. If they're stubborn, some of them still stay behind. Um, over millions of years, I will, say, I will tell you that the energy that is weather and climate likely has helped dissipate their energies so that they actually wind up crossing over, even if they didn't want to. So how's that? Because well, that's, that's what I mean. It has been a long time because the question comes up like I'll get the question sometimes about, um, you know, spirits from from ancient times, you know, human spirits, because you don't really see like ghosts of you know ancient Egyptians sure. from, you know, you know, three, four thousand years ago walking around. So you get that same type of question. I think it's kind of the same answer, you know, over time it, it's dissipated. But um, but pet. But pets do sometimes stick around. We've had you on talking about uh, shadow pets. In, in many yeah. times, I mean, we've had you on just talking pets in the afterlife uh, many times. So they do come back sometimes or linger about a little bit for various reasons. So, so is it possible then that um, for a period of time that there may have been some dinosaur ghosts hanging around after they went extinct? Yep. Yep. Absolutely. You know, I'm sure Tyrannosaurus rexes were pretty stubborn creatures, <laughs> so you know, they weren't going to cross Alaska. over very easily. You know, they're all in Alaska, little T. In Alaska, mm -hmm. with the woolly mammoths. Yeah, you know, there 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 are people that speculate that there could be a couple of small pockets of woolly mammoths hanging out in Alaska and some of the more uh, desolate areas up there. And I totally believe it. Maybe. Mm-hmm. You know, anything's possible. If there are, if there are islands that are yet not discovered, um, who knows? You know, I. Uh, who knows? I mean, I I love dinosaurs and fossils and 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 um, prehistoric mammals, um, and I would love to see the mammoth make a comeback if they can find the DNA to do it and mix it with an Indian elephant, because that's the closest relative. Hmm. Yeah. That'd be cool. That would be interesting. I mean, they Where do they find, live? you know, frozen remains of of woolly mammoths up there. Um, so, I mean, they they could. They it, we've already been cloning animals. They could probably make that happen. Well, didn't they just find an alligator um, that was so well preserved? It had its outer layer plus whatever it had eaten. It was still in its tummy. I was reading that a few weeks ago. Where was that? wherever alligators were i don't know but um it was um i read it in bbc so okay somewhere over there um but it was so well preserved i guess it's because everything's melting but it actually had its stomach contents intact that's interesting because there is the um the one chinese queen from however many uh I think it was over a thousand years ago, but she was so well preserved in uh, in her tomb, and there was there was liquid involved in this apparently. 
Uh, she was so well preserved in the tomb. They called her the the diva mummy. Uh, when they brought her back up, I mean, she she looked like she had just been placed in the tomb. They did find uh, uh, remnants in her stomach. They, they figured out that mm -hmm. she her last meal was melon. So yeah, she's the one that never aged, or she didn't deteriorate, or yeah, she didn't deteriorate like at mm -hmm. all. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. Wow, uh, I want to our hour mark. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Just come down south, Rob. It's the humidity. It, it keeps you from wrinkling. It's too late. Yeah. Well, oh, no. the, the, the secret to a, uh, I, I guess at least to a non-aging death, because <laughs> no. she obviously at least died. And it, they didn't keep her from dying, but yeah, she, Good she aged well enough. <laughs> well, yes, you know, I, I actually found the secret to uh, combating aging, aside from, you know, going on the other side. Soft focus and, filter? I'm sorry. <laughs> no, turning the lights off. <laughs> Nobody can tell. But then you get the ghost, you know, the Tuesday night ghost, the Taco Tuesday ghost. Taco Tuesday <laughs> ghost. There you go. That's for Robert. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, Rob, we are right? at you know, our, I really our enjoyed, mark. Yeah, yeah I really yeah, enjoyed talking about all these things. Me yeah, too. definitely great to have you back. Um, let's go ahead and put your uh, website back here on the screen, robgutro.com. That's how everybody can find you. Um, there are any other ways that they can find you, Rob? Uh, petspirits.com. It's usually my last name is too hard to spell. But um, yeah, no, petspirits.com. Um, or, or they can just type in gutro in <laughs> It's Amazon five or... letters. How is it too hard to spell? <laughs> Oh boy, people put W's and H's and everything else in there, and you don't know. Jeez. Oh, yeah. And, uh, there you go. Pet, you have all <laughs> kinds of books, but here's your Pets in the Afterlife books. Aww. Hey, I'm working on Pets in the Afterlife four and five. Four is going to be about wow, cats. Wow, fantastic. Yeah. I'll be looking forward to those. I'm waiting for the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I want a movie of uh, Kindred Spirits about my communications with Ed. I think oh, that would be interesting for sure. Yeah, that's yeah. that's directly behind Rob there too. Yes. Okay, that's what I was trying to see earlier. Yes. Yeah. You know, I know people. Okay, we'll talk. Production. You do know a few people. Right. I know a lot of people, but yeah. Okay. Production people. Sounds good. All right. Well, thanks again, Rob. Well, Absolutely appreciate you jumping in here last second to uh, yeah, to talk to us once again. Always a treat. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Thank you for having me again. It's always a pleasure, and uh, I look forward to seeing you next time down the it's rabbit hole. Take care, my friend. Have a good Bye. one. All right. Bye. Bye.